Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries, where we discuss various topics like pop culture, news, politics, and more. I am the host of this podcast, and my name is Shakira. If you're new here, you didn't know that, but we welcome you to go ahead and subscribe so that you can join our Carefree family. And if you're subscribing, you'll be notified every single time we have a new episode, which is every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Um, I realize now that I have to say Eastern Standard Time because I have big news, okay? I mean, it's big to me. It might not be big to you, but it's big to me. But yeah, um, that is 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Yeah, and if you're not you know, new here. If you're already a part of our carefree family, welcome back, sis. Welcome back, bro. Thank you for coming back for a new episode. So let's hop into our carefree updates first. First things first. I, okay, so this isn't related to pop culture. It's not related to news, politics, or anything like that. The first carefree update that I want to let you all know is that I have analytics now. I have stats now. I can see, you know, all before I could see how many plays we got, like how a certain episode did as opposed to other episodes. Like I can see, you know, at a distance what our stats were looking like, but I can't see like gender. I can't see location I can't see stats like that well I couldn't see stats like that and to me if you all know like if you've been here a while you know that my undergrad degree is in business administration and now I'm studying integrated marketing communications and both of those deal a lot with numbers even though I'm not crazy about numbers unless it's dollar signs but I'm not like crazy about numbers but I've grown to respect numbers especially in terms of audience and that's especially important to me because I like to know a little bit about you all I like to know if you're in school I like to know your age I like to know your gender I like to know I mean sometimes you may not be like identifying with the gender because I'm learning about that too gender identity but I like to know you know a little bit about you all but I have stats now and I can see where listeners are and I am so appreciative of that because all before I could see like plays the number of plays right and that was exciting but being able to see where listeners are is just like I don't know it means a lot to me I might be overreacting I'm not overreacting it means a lot to me because I get to see that you're in Florida. I get to see that you're in New York. I get to see that you're in California. I get to see that you're in Europe. I get to see that you're in Africa, y'all. To my listeners in Africa, what's up? To my listeners in Europe, what's tea? Like, what's up? Oh, tea, no pun intended. But yeah, like being able to see exact locations and cities, it's so so exciting to me because sometimes I just feel like I'm just, you know, sitting here talking and I don't have internet direction from you all right so being able to see where you are it just gives like a a layer of humanity I guess to an audience so I'm just really excited to know that well I've been knew I wasn't talking to myself but to really know I'm not talking to myself and that you all are in all these different varying locations is really exciting to me so shout out to statistics and updates so that I can be able to see those things 
Now, enough about that. My very first, really, you know, carefree update today is about a creator by the name of Morgan Cooper. So he created a fan-made trailer for The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air because he was a fan of the show, as many of us are or were back in the day. And he gave it a different spin. So he wanted to kind of tell the story from a different perspective because we know that Will Smith, when he moved to Bel-Air, you know, it wasn't all fine and dandy, but he wanted to give it like a dark spin. So he put this clip or this video on Twitter and it went viral and Huffington Post Black Voices section they picked it up and did a whole article on it and I read through it and I just thought it was so interesting and I watched the full video and he made it like a trailer right of what a seasoned show will look like and people were like adding Netflix on Twitter saying that they need to get behind this they need to find like you know like pick it up and give it some funding so it can become a real thing and if you all have the time or if you're interested you should go and search him on YouTube and I'm going to give you his name on YouTube so that you can go and watch it because I thought it was absolutely brilliant so the name of the channel that you can find it on on YouTube is Sun Squared Media and the name of it is Bel Air 2019 official trailer. And the guy, Morgan Cooper, he wrote it, he directed it, and he was the cinematographer for it, meaning he, you know, was behind the camera. And I thought it was absolutely amazing because if you know anything about film and video creation in general, it takes a lot to put something like this especially of this caliber together so I really encourage you to go and give it a you know check it out because sometimes we have to put our numbers behind these things so that bigger people the higher ups or the powers that be will pick them up and you know actually give black creators and creators of color a chance so yeah go check that out Secondly, and also lastly, for our carefree updates, Missy Elliott is going to be the first female hip-hop artist with a Berkeley honorary doctorate. And I'm really excited for her because I think I did a carefree update a little while ago when it was announced that she was going to be the very first female hip-hop artist to become a inductee in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I think we talked about that if we didn't that's what's tea so now she's getting her honorary doctor from berkeley and that's you know very good because i really believe in giving people their flowers while they're here like i really hate when you know it takes for people to pass on for us to really acknowledge them and acknowledge the influence that they had in the culture because missy is huge you know she was huge back in the day back is it worth it let me work it put my thing down flip it and reverse it like missy was huge especially with her visuals her style her lyrics i mean she was just awesome back in the day and she still is so i'm glad that she has an opportunity to get her flowers while she's here and i think that that's a practice that we need to give to a lot of our different legends that are still alive today give them their flowers while they're here and let them know the impact that they had on us our youth you know growing up and even today so yeah that's it for our carefree updates let's have a little break and then we'll hop into our topic so i almost came back last week and did a bonus episode i was going to do it thursday or friday but i decided that i will wait a little while and kind of let the dust settle before i kicked it back up again because it deserves it now unless you've been under a rock for the past week you know that last week um i believe it was tuesday it was tuesday because i remember the episode came out and i was like i found out the news and instantly i was like 
oh my gosh, I wish we could have talked about this today, but we'll save it for next week. So last week, news broke when the FBI made public this large, they said it was the largest cheating scandal in American history, and it happened with a bunch of rich parents. So to give you a recap, parents pay from $200,000 to $2.6 million. You did not hear me wrong. $200,000 to 6.5. See, I can't even say it. $6.5 million to scam their children into college. Mm, mm, mm. Now, I just feel like this, this topic is not going to be done right. If I don't have a little help to emphasize how big this is okay so i'm gonna get my girl jt to give her favorite line to give my favorite line from one of my favorite city girl songs so let me say this again these parents paid from two hundred thousand dollars to 6.5 million dollars to scam their children into college jt now some had people sit in their children's place for testing like SAT and ACT. So the test taker would take the test for them. Now, if you live overseas and you're not aware of what these tests are, these tests are the tests you take to get into school. So different schools, different universities and colleges have different scores in order to get in. And sometimes universities will be kind of lenient if you excel better with your transcripts or you're really good around the community. Sometimes they will be lenient when it comes to test scores. So they would hire people to sit in their children's place. And what does that require? JT, help me out. Another thing that these parents did, some had more time allotted to their children taking said test so that they can you know have more time to be able to think sometimes they will be able to sit closer to the teachers or the test takers which is not an a luxury that many students get to have and in order to have that luxury what did they have to do jt absolutely some of these parents paid coaches coaches around $400,000 to have their children take the place of kids who would have been on these sports teams. And the kicker about that one is their kids didn't even play sports. They will have their children photoshopped, photoshopped into pictures of rowing teams and other sports teams. And what does that require? JT, help me out one last time. These people did a lot. Do you hear me? These parents did a lot and they still messed up. They still messed up. And if there's one thing I learned from all of this that came out last week, it is that scamming ain't dead. It's not dead. And the original scammers reminded us how it's really done. So while City Girls told us about scamming rich men to get cars, houses, bags, the originators of scamming showed us that's not even the tip of the iceberg. We were thinking too small, y'all. So allegedly, I'm joking, but allegedly this scamming ring goes back 10 years, according to the investigators. But I can almost bet my bottom dollar that it goes back a lot further than that. 10 years ago was 2009, and you cannot tell me that rich people were not scamming their kids into college before 2009. Like, you cannot tell me that that is a new thing. You can't tell me that that started in 2009. I'm not going for it. But 
I'm so glad this came out and I'm happy for a number of reasons. First things first, I'm happy because we've been new. We knew. But this is one of those things that you know it's happening, but you just can't put a face or a name to it. Now we can see. Like, we can say that we see. This is an example of what we mean when we say education is not equal in the United States of America. All before, when we said it, it was like, oh, no, we all have the same tools, opportunities. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We're all allotted the same time frame. So this is just a small example and almost a confirmation of sorts of what we've known for years. Now, secondly, I'm happy this came out because it opened the door for a bigger conversation, a dialogue across the aisle of not only matters in college admissions, but education of American youth, period. And also how the unequal distribution of wealth kind of screws us all, whether we admit it or not. So there are a few points I want to touch on with this situation. And the first was in reference to the question that many journalists have posed over the course of the week. And that question has been, should they serve time? Should these parents serve time? Should the administrators serve time? Should faculty serve time? Basically, everyone involved, should they be behind bars? And my answer to that question is absolutely, absolutely. There are people incarcerated for way less in the United States. There are people in prison for food stamp fraud who were just trying to feed their families. Um, Do you all remember the black woman in Texas? Her name was Crystal Mason. Last year, she was sentenced to five years in prison, five years in prison for voting while she was on probation. And she says she didn't even know that that was a criminal offense. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't know it was a criminal offense either. So I'm, I have compassion for her in that sense. And she's in prison for five years. There are educators in Atlanta that went to prison. I think they were sentenced to eight years for boosting the test scores of predominantly African-American students in order to help them get into different colleges and universities. So those are just a few examples. And if you look throughout history and even now, it's not hard to see that the scales of justice aren't as balanced as they claim to be. Now, everyone involved are facing several charges, but one of the ones I've seen mostly is mail fraud charges. And I looked up the sentencing for mail fraud just so I can see because, you know, I don't have a... uh, law enforcement background, criminal background. My major was not criminal justice. I don't know much about it. But I looked it up and I saw that the charges can range from paying fines and serving up to 20 years, 20 plus years in prison. Now, I'm not an attorney, nor have I studied any type of law except business law. But I feel that these families should serve time for the reasons that I've given you. And also this reason. Not only are you having an influential impact on your child's life, but you're having an impact, whether directly or indirectly, on the lives of other children who are just trying their very best to get into these institutions, but are being denied because they don't meet the qualifications. But sometimes in all actuality, now that we see, you know, what's really been going on behind closed doors, they probably do meet these qualifications, But the problem arises when you are 
putting money into these institutions and getting a spot for your child. So the spot that could have been theirs, the child that actually worked, is handed to someone who can buy their way in. It's the entitlements, and I'm not feeling it at all. Those scams have probably affected more lives indirectly than we can ever, ever comprehend, begin to comprehend. And I was reading this article, and it was written by a former college admissions counselor, and they wrote it anonymously, so he or she, I don't know. But they wrote it anonymously, and it came out the day after all of this hit the fan. If you want to check it out, the name of it is, I worked in college admissions, and I had to admit a bunch of mediocre rich kids. That's the name of it. And the article is on BuzzFeed News, if you want to check it out. Now, I will say that it is an interesting read, and he or she, they add layers to this entire thing because coming from his or her background where they were the people, they were the ones denying or approving these students, they see it a lot deeper than just black and white, which as most conversation in the United States, it always tends to gravitate towards black and white matters, but they see it a lot different than that. So I really enjoyed the read and I encourage you to check it out, but One aspect of the article was coming from the perspective that says, you know, less and less males are enrolling in college. So I can attest to this because I I attended an HBCU and I think the male to female ratio was like one to 10. So for every one male, there were like 10 women or maybe it was one to eight. It was something crazy like that. So it's not just at HBCUs that this is happening. This is also happening at prestigious institutions across the country because less males are enrolling in college. It's been proven. Anyway, being that less males are enrolling and colleges tend to want students that can pay their own tuition. And according to the article, these students, the universities refer to them as full pay students. This is what they call them. The school that this counselor worked for, they would prioritize white male students who were full pay. In other words, white male students who had enough money to afford to pay their tuition without financial aid or financial assistance, who would just be able to give the university the money that they required. So although the counselor at this school would advocate for students of color, sometimes it would be hard because When you put these students of color up against white students from wealthy backgrounds, the students of color just could not stand a chance. And this is according to the article now. Even if they had the test scores, sometimes they may not have had the extracurricular activities because they may have had to work a part-time job or their transcripts may not show any AP classes or any honor classes because those classes weren't offered at their schools. So even if they had the test scores, the ACT and the SAT scores to meet the university's requirements, sometimes they may not have had the extracurricular activities because, you know, like I said, they had to work a part time job or they may not. Their transcripts don't look as well as other students. And a quote from the counselor says the parents will look at affirmative action and think of it as their kid already had a hypothetical spot that was going to be taken away from them in favor of a student from a more diverse background. End of quote. There goes the entitlement that I was talking about again. Just because, and let me first say that 
the quote, you know, it ends that their spot may have been taken away from them in favor of a student with a more diverse background. Diverse background is just code word for a student of color. Okay, so we we're clear there. But as I was going to say, just because your child may be legacy because you attended this university as well, or just because your child may be wealthy or rich because you have money, that does not mean that they have a spot reserved at these colleges and universities. They have to apply just like everyone else has to apply, and it should be fair to all students. This just casts a spotlight on how generational wealth and also the unequal distribution of wealth works in the United States. And I'm not only speaking in favor of black people, but all people who are placed in a position of disadvantage economically. So let's break this thing on down to the bare bones of it all. Let's be candid. Kids that attend public schools, which tend to be black kids and other kids of color, minorities, are working with far less than most kids at private schools, if we're being completely honest, and if we're looking at it from a general perspective, not specific examples, but just in general. Their textbooks are sometimes older editions, and I can attest to this as a witness, because I remember being in elementary and having a new textbook was like a gold mine when we got them. Like when the teachers got textbooks and we opened the boxes and we were going to be the first ones to write our name in that cover page. Y'all remember that when you had to write your name in the cover of the book to say what year you had it. But yeah, that was like a gold mine to us because we were so used to books that were old and falling apart. Sometimes they were missing pages. They have less access to tools sometimes at public schools. Computers, laptops, after-school programs, a lot of them are run through grants due to them being public schools and sometimes in lower-income um, areas of neighborhoods and communities. Now, at schools that are well-off, those things are a given. Like They're not given second thought because that's the norm at those institutions. There's no second thought about having those things. And when you look at the student's that attend those schools, when you look at their lives outside of schools, some of those kids go to school hungry at public schools from not having food for breakfast, sometimes not even food from dinner the night before. Kids are struggling with parents who may be addicted to something or parents that aren't in the home, period. Sometimes parents are working so much to support their child and the kids are at home by themselves. When you look at it outside of just school, right? Not to say that the kids that are more well off or that are at private schools, not to say that they may not be dealing with similar issues, but let's be real about it. Those issues hit a lot closer to home in our communities. And when a kid is going to school hungry or having to work after school to bring more income into their households, those things are affecting their performance as students. And if those things, if those are things that they're battling with outside of school, how can we expect them to measure up when they're fighting all of this? And another quote from the article said, in quote, poor students and or students of color, should they be admitted, would have to be exceptional. That is a quote from an admissions counselor at a semi-prestigious institution. But we knew this. 
we knew this because we've always been told that as black people, we have to be 10 times better to get even half of what other people sometimes are handed down. And I mean that handed jobs, internships, other opportunities are a thing that we tend to have to fight to get our foot in the door. And sometimes, not sometimes, it's really a slap in the face. When you see a situation like this, <sighs> it has made me so angry, y'all. Almost to the point of being like extremely emotional over the past week because y'all know I am hypersensitive to things. I've told y'all this. So this has really been like something that I've really been struggling with this past week just to know that this has been going on for so long and thinking about the lives that this may have affected it has really been taking a toll on me but it's really a slap in the face and I remember I remember you know my senior year my junior year of high school and I remember those college applications and I remember how stressful it was for me and also other kids at my school because I went to a all-black school it was just us. It was nothing but black people at the school. We had, well, we had, I think like two people that weren't black. But anyway, you know, it was a struggle for us. And I remember that. And I remember being one, one person in a handful at my school that graduated from high school and actually went to college after graduation. And as of now, there are only five or six people from my class that finished college that I know of and also as far as I know I'm the only person from my high school who went on to get a second degree who went on to pursue a master's and that makes me angry and it doesn't make me angry at my classmates it makes me angry at the system angry because I remember how defeated some of the guys were when applying to schools and not getting the test scores that they needed or being good at football or basketball or baseball, but not good enough to get a scholarship to play on the next level in college. It was painful seeing that. And it's even more painful looking back and seeing um, just the just the effects, y'all. I mean, when you really look at this thing, it is infuriating. And for people who have higher incomes, people that are wealthy, for them to have access to tutors, prep programs, and all of those other things that assist in college readiness, not only have access to those tools, but to go a step further than that and buy their child's way into college is really just heartbreaking. And I've never really had much hope in the system because I've seen it fail so many people over and over and screw so many people over and over again and I don't know where we go from here but and there's a silver lining because I am glad that we can finally acknowledge this for what it is and try to push further also hmm here's a little nugget support your HBCUs the funding of these institutions have always been an issue, but in recent years, some of these schools have really suffered financially. HBCUs were founded, if you don't know, if you weren't aware, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, were founded for us when we could not get an education from other schools. We have to, it is necessary 
for us to send our children and our children's children and their children's children to our schools, to these HBCUs, and encourage other people to attend and let them know that the education gained at an HBCU is just as good and you can compete in the real world with a degree from an HBCU. Although sometimes people look at it um, like it's shunned upon that your education was lacking. It's not as good as some of these prestigious institutions. Baby, let me tell you. Okay. From my four-year degree at FAMU, I have been able to go on to a predominantly white institution and compete with the best of the best of them, okay? And not feel like I am lacking and not feel like I am less than or that I wasn't equipped to succeed at the next level. I learned so much at an HBCU and I will be forever grateful and forever indebted to my institution and other HBCUs in general, Due to the education that I got from there, I'm so thankful and I really encourage you, you know, if you have friends, if you are getting ready to graduate from high school soon, look into HBCUs. There's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. So that's my plug on HBCUs, your little nugget to take away. And we also have to get rid of this stigma that HBCUs are second rate and kind of like bottom of the barrel when it comes to secondary degrees as well. They are great for masters and PhDs too, okay? And that is that on that. And that's all I have to say about that. Um, Yeah, scam is not dead, y'all, but be safe out here in these streets, okay? Don't be scamming people, especially don't be scamming people um when it's going to be affecting other people's livelihoods and other people's lives okay don't do it don't do it anyway follow us on instagram at carefree and black diaries and also follow us on twitter at carefree b-l-k-p-o-d that is carefree black pod and one more thing as i told you all last week we are coming up on our one year anniversary our one year you know in existence on the podcast and i'm so thankful and if you follow me on twitter you know i had like a little story time on twitter about something that happened to me as it relates to the podcast and you all as listeners so we're gonna be giving away something very soon so please follow those um I'm going blank. Social media platforms. Yeah, follow those social media platforms so you'll be up to date on those giveaways and the other news that is coming up very soon. Thank you guys so much. I love you and I appreciate you. Don't forget to stay black and carefree. And we'll see you next time in the next episode of The Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys. (laughs)